Good morning, friends. Uh, it's very good to see you all here this morning. Very warm welcome uh, to those who are present in the hall and those who are accessing uh, via other means. Uh, we're delighted that you are able to be with us. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Amen. So we stand and sing together. Everyone needs compassion. Mighty to save.
Amen. Do sit down, friends. Let us pray. Father God, we're so glad that we're able to sing words like that. They ring true for us. Uh, they, they really lift our spirits when we acknowledge that you are mighty to conquer the grave. And we need to know that because there are so many things that we could be fearful of. And death is one of them. We thank you that you're coming uh, you're living among us, you're teaching us, you're showing us all sorts of aspects of God's love. Finally, your death and your rising from the dead have opened up new possibilities for everyone that lives in the whole earth. There's not one person on the earth that is outside of your loving concern. And we're so glad that we discovered the truth of that. It has made all the difference to us. And we know it would make all the difference to those amongst whom we live. If only we could find ways to share that good news with them. We want to have ears that are alert to your voice speaking to us. We want to have eyes that can see opportunity. And when those opportunities arise and when that little gentle prompt from you comes. Help us to be brave and bold and courageous and to say, we know Jesus and he has made all the difference to us. And he could make all the difference to you. Father God, we long to see men and women come to know you for themselves. We long to see them discover the secret of salvation just as we did. Help us to be all that we should be under your hand. We know that we're not. And we're sorry, Father, for saying the wrong things, for doing the wrong things, for missing those opportunities that have been put before us by you. Wake us up. Wake us up to what you're doing among us and help us to join in with you. We ask it all in your name. Amen. Now, all age. There we are. Sometimes you make me want to scream. In fact, I will. What is wrong with you? You get awards and good grades, and all I get is bad grades and detention. You always get the best. I could help you study and you would get good grades. Boy, you have an answer for everything, don't you? I'm just trying to help. You could help me by going far away. Very far away. <laughs> oh, wow. This sounds like the story I heard in Sunday school. You actually listen in Sunday school? Sure. I love learning about the Bible. Well, let's hear it. She told us about a person named Joseph. You mean the guy who works at the shop down the road? No. This is a different Joseph. Be quiet and listen. Joseph was his dad's favourite. He made Joseph a coat of many colours. 
This made his brother very angry. I can understand that. The brother sold Joseph into slavery without his father knowing about it. The brothers did this because they were jealous of Joseph. After Joseph was gone, his dad was very sad. Joseph was taken to Egypt, and it was very bad for him. Hmm. Have you ever wanted to go to Egypt? Oh, Ash, look, don't be silly. It was just a thought. some dream. The dream was a warning about a famine. What's a famine? It's when all the food is gone. What? Yikes. That doesn't sound good. In fact, it's making me very hungry. <laughs> but that was part of God's plan. Really? How is that? Joseph was put in charge of storing food for everyone so they could make it through the famine. You mean his brothers had to actually go and visit Joseph to get food? Did Joseph get back at his brothers? It would be the perfect opportunity to get revenge. No, God used something that was bad and turned it into good. The famine had brought his brothers to Joseph. Joseph loved his brothers even though they had done a bad thing. In the end, the whole family got back together. Joseph said to his, his brothers later, You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Oh, I'm sorry, Becky. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I was just upset. I don't want a famine just to be closer to you. God is not going to let that happen. Come on, Brad. Let's work on those graves. You're the best sister in the whole world. Oh, thank you. Lots of spoiler alerts in there, weren't there? Anyway, <laughs> good, excellent. Right, let's let's hear the story. I think we're going to have that. Yeah, some more. Right. Today's reading is taken from Genesis forty-one, all fifty-seven verses. <laughs> when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river bank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. 
Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he had interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was in pain. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can, can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, These dreams of the Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one in the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that is following will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food these big seven years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The 
plan seemed good for the pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath Peleah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 37 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. <coughs> Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance came to an end and the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. It's worth reading the whole chapter, I think. I really do. Very good. Uh, Mark, thank you and your team, uh, especially the, the keen puppeteers, for all of that piece. It was really good. Uh, we're going to sing together once again, God of glory. If you're able, please stand.
us pray. Father God, once again we come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. We ask that you might take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Now if you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. Uh, The Lord be with you. Amen. So we bring our prayers of intercession to God. Let us pray. It's good to come to you in this way, Lord. It helps us more than we can say. Because we look at the state of the world and can feel overwhelmed by it. There's far too much that seems wrong to us, that is difficult, that is beyond our control. And because of that, it is worrying and it can cause us to feel anxious. To know that we can come to you, the God of glory, To know that we can come to you, the the one who holds the whole world in the palm of his hands. That helps us more than we can say. And there are lots of things going on around the world. There are very, very difficult things happening with the weather in all sorts of parts of the world. Natural disasters of all sorts. Tonga, we don't know much about, but it... That's not right yet. Uh, We've had flooding uh, in the north of our own country. A massive storm affecting Scotland and the north of England. People have died. In Malawi, there's been flooding following a great storm again. We wonder quite how it's all going to end, Lord. Afghanistan isn't in our news headlines all the time, but there's severe famine in that place. Not helped by all that has gone on over the last 20 years or so. Certainly not helped over what happened in the last few months. And we can see aggression on the borders of Ukraine slowly gathering pace and momentum. And all of the world's powers are paying attention this time and they're starting to take notice and speak to those that we think may be responsible for this. But it's slow going. And because we're not willing to roll over, who knows what Russia may do. There's much that concerns us, Lord. And we need you to be engaged 
and involved with all of this. We noted that Holocaust Memorial Day was acknowledged last week. We see what can happen when people don't pay attention to what's going on in the world, when we just can't be bothered and we let people do whatever they want to do. At some point, somebody has to say, enough is enough. And that means things happening that we would rather not happened. <coughs> we pray, Father, that the Prince of Peace would reign and rule one day. Indeed, we look forward to a day when that will happen. We know it is not yet, but our hope is that one day, that day will come. In the meantime, there is stuff for us to do. And we want to do it. We want to look out for one another. We want to try and help one another grow in our faith, grow in our discipleship. We want to be bold and courageous as we try and take your word and your gospel of redemption to all those amongst whom we live and work. We want all those who are uh, power brokers in our little spheres of influence to know that we're Christian people and that we long to see all human beings flourish and grow, not just our own folk, but everybody, everywhere. We pray for our members of parliament, particularly those that represent Milton Keynes. We pray for all of our councillors, especially across the, the town council. We're thankful, Father, for um, the town council moving into Sycamore House in the next couple of weeks. We can see the work going on there. and We look forward to uh, a developing and growing relationship with the folk in that building. Thank you that it's already begun. We pray that that will continue to grow and deepen as the days and weeks pass. We ask that we might be a blessing to the town council. That they might look forward to coming to work every day. Because it means they might bump into some of us. And they know that we're people that will help. We're people that want to help. There's so much good, Lord, it seems to me, that waits to happen. If your people will be bold and courageous, help us to be so, Lord, we pray. We can't affect what happens on the other side of the world. But we can affect what happens next door. And indeed, within our own households. Help us to be all that we should be under your hand, we pray. Let's gather all of our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing together. Once again, if you're able, please stand as we sing King of Kings, Majesty. seated friends. So the next instalment in our story around Joseph and this uh, this chapter of the story is really the fulcrum, it is the pivot point of the story. We've heard that little refrain haven't we? Uh, And God was with Joseph. We've heard that uh, as we've gone through the earlier episodes of his life. And it has been really hard to see how that could be so. Uh, Despised by his brothers, hated by them. uh, Potential murder in mind as far as they're concerned. Only by the skin of his teeth escapes being killed uh, and is thrown into a, a dry well and then sold into slavery. Taken away by foreigners into a foreign land, not his own. Uh, sold on uh, to Potiphar, 
falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, imprisoned for something he did not do, and God was with Joseph. It's really quite hard to see, isn't it? And yet it is so. And in this chapter, we begin to see the turning around uh, of Joseph's life, uh, and we begin to see how God is with Joseph, even in these circumstances, even in these difficulties. Uh, The first shall be last, and the last shall be first, uh, says Jesus when he walks the earth and is talking to us about all sorts of things. And we can see that actually in this story. Uh, The Nile River in Egypt really was the guarantor of life. Whoever holds the Nile in their grasp holds the power of life and death. And usually, in Egypt, that would be Pharaoh. But not now. Uh, The power of Pharaoh is nullified by this dream. Famine and death are approaching. And no one in Egypt knows it yet. And they don't know what to do about it either. The wise men of Egypt are stumped. Verse 8, after Pharaoh wakes up from his dreaming. In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Pharaoh and the empire are not the last word. Their claim to power is shown to be utterly fraudulent. And then there are those beautiful, fateful words from the chief cupbearer. Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Blooming shortcomings! Two years Joseph has languished in this prison. Two years he's been forgotten by the fellow who said he would remember. Two years. Painful, isn't it? Pharaoh was once angry with me, put me in prison, la, 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 la. (laughs) So, right, get this young Hebrew in. Let's have him in. Let's find out what he's got to say to us. Let's see if he can do the job. So Joseph is summoned, and he is bathed, and he is clothed, and he is made presentable for Pharaoh. You can interpret dreams. Joseph says, no, I can't. But God will give you the answer that you are seeking. Pharaoh is focused entirely on the problem in hand, and he is stuck, and he is stuck fast. Joseph is focused entirely on God, and he is free to help. And the interpretation flows easily because Joseph is in touch with, is connected to the God of life. And notice the way that Joseph speaks. He speaks very matter-of-factly. This is not a prophet declaring, you know, in a voice like thunder, thus says the Lord. This is a very matter-of-fact young man. Uh, Really an administrator, just saying, this is what I can see. This is what God is going to do. And the reason you've had this dream twice is because God has decided the issue. Joseph speaks calmly. He speaks authoritatively. He speaks confidently. This is what God is going to do. 
Contrast the two powers. Pharaoh should be the one to make things happen. Pharaoh should be the one who is making the decisions. Pharaoh should be the one who is making plans. But he is utterly powerless. Joseph, depending on God, becomes the agent for change, becomes the agent for life. Pharaoh's power is shown to be feeble and ineffective. God's power is all-encompassing. The unseen God is the prime mover and shaker in this whole story, and Joseph is his agent. The future is decided, says Joseph, because God has decided it. That's why Pharaoh dreams twice. The focus of the narrative now moves to Joseph. It is all on Joseph. Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer who was despised by his brothers. Joseph the dreamer uh, who just spoke out what he saw and was despised for it. Joseph, the one who is set on one side. Joseph, the one who is despised. Joseph, the one who is left out and not included. Joseph, the dream interpreter. Now, Joseph, advisor to the king. This is what God is going to do. Pharaoh, this is what you should do. Verse 33 onwards, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food. La, 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 la. He was in prison five minutes before, and now he is advising the king. It's quite a powerful position to be in. Find someone who is wise and discerning. Uh, note Joseph doesn't say, I will do this. Let me do this. I can do this. He doesn't say that at all. You should find someone, Pharaoh, who is wise and discerning. And Pharaoh realizes that Joseph is that man. So Joseph was remembered. Joseph now is elevated. The appointment is made and the plan is Implemented. Effectively, Joseph is the ruler of Egypt from this point onwards. It is absolutely astonishing, isn't it? The reversal of Joseph's fortunes through this chapter. You see the whole narrative gather uh, pace very effectively. His plan brings and gives life to a people who were doomed to death. The favourite son of Jacob has become the favourite son of Pharaoh and the empire. He is destined to rule and to reign. You'll remember when he shared his dreams with the family when he was 17. Uh, one of the responses was, do you mean to rule and reign over us? Well, he did not mean to do that. But that will be the result of the dream. Uh, and that's going to happen uh, in the next couple of chapters. So we've got to just hold fire until, until we get to those pieces. Uh, but yes, he is destined to rule 
and to reign. And that reign begins now in the years of plenty. Joseph, the dreamer, subject to the unjust power of others, his brothers, Potiphar's wife, the forgetful cupbearer. Joseph is now a man of great power and influence himself. And how will he use that power? Well, we've already had a little clue uh, in what the puppet said earlier. But we'll leave it there for now. And we'll come back next week and we'll see a bit more. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Father, for your word and for all that it teaches us. Thank you for this story of Joseph. Your presence in this story is very hidden most of the time. You aren't there writing letters of fire on the wall. You aren't there speaking with a voice like thunder. You are hardly to be seen. And yet, God was with Joseph. In all of the downs and the ups of Joseph's life and career, you are there. And this, Lord, is how we experience you too. Very often you are hidden in our experience. Very often it is hard to see where you might be. And yet you are present. You are a faithful God. You keep your promises. Emmanuel, God with us. We give you our heartfelt thanks. Continue to walk with us, we pray, in all of the circumstance of our lives. Amen. We will sing together once again uh, our closing song, He is the Lord and He reigns on high. If you're able, please stand.
Now may the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.